At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Trana. Thanks for listening. Second podcast this week, we taped one uh, on Monday with Andrew Marchand of the New York Post to break down the Tony Romo contract. Tony staying with CBS, not going to ESPN. So if you haven't listened to that, you can dip into the archives and check that out. This episode features an interview with ESPN's Rachel, Rachel Nichols. And um, we talked to her about hosting The Jump and a variety of topics, including the Spike Lee New York Knicks feud and interview process and uh, several other things. So uh, Tony Romo podcast from Monday, we taped it, is out in the archives and then uh, this episode here, Rachel Nichols will get into it right now on the SI Media Podcast. All right, joining me now, a guest that's been in the works for a long time, and we are finally doing it, from ESPN's The Jump, Rachel Nichols. Rachel, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Like I said, we, we've been going back and forth on this for a long time, so I'm glad. It's so funny because I actually saw a tweet from you yesterday that kind of took Took, I was taken aback by it when you you said that there's only six weeks left, basically, in the NBA season. That I know, kind right? of flew by, right? <laughs> yes. Well, the NBA season, I think, now is what 400 days out of the 365 days of the Absolutely, year. Absolutely. Yep. It's always NBA season. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we got three six weeks left of the regular season as you and I talk. I feel like the jump has contributed a little bit to the fact that the NBA is now, like you said, 400 days a year because you know in the off season when there's free agency and trades and trash talking and all that stuff's going on. You know, you guys are there and you're, you're getting all the people that fans want to hear from for sure. So. Yeah. Well, we've kind of grown together when the show started, it was supposed to be a seasonal show. And in fact, our first season, it was a seasonal show just sort of from a little bit before training camp to a little bit after, I don't even remember. I don't think we went into free agency. I think it was a little bit after the draft. Mm -hmm. um, I would have to look back to double check, but that's my memory. 
And then, of course, now you couldn't do a basketball show if you didn't include free agency. And, um, yeah, I think it's all kind of cyclical. You know, there, there was more going on, so we did more, and that might have created a little more discussion. <laughs> and there you go. Yeah. Did you did you know, did you think the jump would be as popular as it's been? Obviously, like you said, it has grown, and uh, I think it's become one of those shows that fans really enjoy. Um, but did you expect it to become what it's become honestly i'm so excited when i hear someone like you say it's popular or that people are watching it because when you're doing it you're just sort of in the studio right or right. maybe sometimes at games and you're in your little world or bubble of you know an arena or any all these places that i've spent really the last two decades and sometimes it's hard to tell um it resonates a lot in my little bubble because i talk to basketball players all day right but it's it's sometimes hard to tell how much it's sort of pinging out, you know, with the radar to the outside world. So I get excited every time we get a little hint from someone that that it is making an impact beyond our circle. Obviously, you have producers, you have co-hosts, um, but you're you're the face of the show. How much say do you have in the show? Are you a big part of the planning and the what goes into you know who you're going to have on interviews, or do you leave that up to the producers? How much are your hands in it? Yeah, no, it's a big team effort, and we all have a big say because we're kind of a small group. Um, the show really has grown from something pretty small. We were a half-hour show that just operated during basketball season, and we've grown to this one-hour show that went from five days a week during basketball season to year-round that, especially at this time of year, is six days a week, including primetime on ABC, including we do for almost you know every, every month there's some sort of three-hour, two-hour special that we're doing around some NBA event. And we've added some staff, but we're still kind of a small group relative to what we do. So it's an incredible hands-on everybody um, building railway tracks right maybe before the train goes down every week. Um, and it's kind of fun because we all have a big say because everyone needs yeah. to. You, you guys are normally on, I think it's 3 o'clock Eastern or 3.30. 3, 3 o'clock. Right. Yep. What, when, what's your day like in terms of like, when do you get into the studio? When do you start planning production? Like how long are you working on it before you get on the air at three Eastern? Yeah, no, I like our time slot. Cause I feel like on the East coast we're we're there right when a lot of people get uh, like teenagers or, or college kids get home after school, right. um, which is a great slice of the NBA audience. Um, and also simultaneously we're a live show. So we're on at noon on the West coast, which a lot of people will tell me, Hey, I eat my lunch with you guys. So that's fun too. Um, we start, uh, I'm going to give you Pacific time cause we're based out in LA. Yep. Uh, I'll watch the games the night before and I have league pass going and, you know, sometimes you get a game up on the laptop and the TV and the whole thing. And by the end of the night, I'll come up with sort of, Hey, this is what I want the top of the show to be about the monologue, that kind of thing. Meanwhile, all my, the producers and the people who work on the show are also doing versions of that and contributing to, we have this sort of Google document where we all throw ideas in for the next day. Here's something that's going on. Or maybe we'll say, Hey, here's something that's going to happen this week. Let's keep an eye on that. Um, ideas come from everywhere. Um, it's the producers, it's the graphics producers, it's the researchers again, everybody works on this show and everybody we wouldn't get on the air without every single person who you know who is involved because we all do everything right. and um you know in the morning uh the producers get in to the office you know 6 30 a.m because again we're on pacific time um and by 7 30 we're having our first meeting 
and uh, kind of off to the races from there, mm-hmm. uh, getting everything going and news kind of coming in throughout the morning as well. Uh, I come from a news background, as you know. I was a newspaper writer and a beat writer and all of that stuff. So uh, for me, it was really important as we were in our first year to really have what was going on even right up until and through showtime be a part of the show, mm-hmm. that we weren't so planned that we couldn't account for news going on at, again, I'm going to work in our Pacific time at 11 a.m. or for you, 2 o'clock mm-hmm. or, you know, that kind of thing. Or even sometimes, again, the show's on from 3 to 4 Eastern. If something breaks at 3.58 p.m., we can usually get it right on the air. And that speaks to kind of the nimbleness and flexibility of the production staff and the expertise, frankly, of the people sitting with me at the desk because no one had to be prepped. Everybody who's on the show is really an expert in the NBA. So if something comes up in the middle of the show, people can just roll out. the. I I can roll out the ball and people can just talk about it, which is something fun. And I think makes people feel like they're all it's all happening in real time in front of them. Um, sometimes it's messy, which is another thing I kind of like <laughs> that it's a little messy in real time in front of everybody. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, stuff comes from everywhere, social media, news breaking arenas, practices, uh, agents, offices, everything. You know, I should have, I meant to ask you this at the top and you just talked about breaking news. I mean, obviously the biggest story in the entire sports world that we've seen in a long time is Spike Lee getting in this feud with, with James Dolan today as we tape this. Wh- wh- whose side are you on there? Where do you stand? <laughs> I mean, clearly, forget biggest sports story in yeah. a long time. It's clearly the most important story of our country, of our nation, Without of our doubt. decade, right? Yeah. right? I can tell that you live in New York. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got, I got to do something to distract from coronavirus and Super Tuesday. Right. So Exactly. <laughs> um, look, the mark of a good organization is that problems don't get elevated to this level, right? <laughs> So, um, you know, you it's such a nice it. it's such a nice way of saying the Knicks are a disaster. Well, look, I mean, I'm going to be totally honest, right? Yeah. Like, like I'm listening to Spike talk and I love Spike and I'm, you know, generally anyone who has suffered through everything the Knicks fans have gone through for yeah. the last decade. Um, I'm on their side anyway, anyone like that. So I'm, I'm willing to cut anyone in that position some slack. Um, but there's some things when I'm listening to him, I'm like, yes, but I could have done that a little differently. Or right. obviously James Dolan or some of the people involved or the whoever decided that that press release should have gone out today could have done things a little differently. Um, so to me, it's not like, oh, he was right or he was wrong. I think it's that the goal when conflicts come up and they're always going to come up. And sometimes it's between a famous fan and a franchise or an owner, or sometimes it's between a player and a coach or whatever it is. Good teams, good franchises find a way to resolve those conflicts. So everyone feels heard. There's some sort of compromise and it doesn't make it onto the morning talk shows. So I have to hope that Leon Rose, who who I think was in his first 24 hours on the job (laughs) when that all erupted, Um, will transform the Knicks into that kind of franchise. But, um, you know, they're clearly not there yet because we all know what happened. I I, I do have to push back on one thing you said, though, as a New Yorker. You mentioned it's been a rough decade. Try 20 years. Right. It's been 20 (laughs) years. Totally fair. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, (laughs) it's, it's, It's one of, I tweeted this recently and I could not believe the amount of um, sort of response I got to it because I thought it was like a throwaway tweet, but I really, it, it's in the grand context of the world, obviously we're dealing with serious issues, but like it is in terms of sports, one of the saddest things to, to know what the Knicks were in this city in the nineties and to see what it's become because, you know, I, I compared it to the Yankees. The Yankees have owned New York city now for 20 years. The Knicks were on that level 
if you know and now yeah. and now they're just um such an embarrassment so it's 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 just so sad that it's it's happened this way because they had this city buzzing big time when they were legit you know in the 90s no i lived i lived in new york for i think gosh 16 17 year stretch that right. overlapped with some of that and uh i you know it's why i still talk about the knicks a lot on the show first of all they're the most valuable team in the nba they have one of the biggest fan bases in the nba yep. so they are going to be relevant no matter what if they're good bad or the middle they make up just a ch- you know nba fans the, a chunk a big chunk are knicks fans so if you are a show that serves nba fans Talking about the Knicks is, is part of the fabric of the league, and they're so important, by the way, to the finances of the league too. Right. Um, I believe it's a you know the 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 numbers are astronomical, um, but it's also just knowing and having been in that building, right? When the garden is rocking and everything is right, it, it is the greatest building in the world to watch a basketball game. Yeah. With all due respect to the other twenty nine franchises. And and I just think that if you love the NBA, you're just desperate for for a little piece of that to get revived yeah. somehow, some way. It is amazing that you, I mean, you mentioned you know this like it, it, as bad as the Knicks have been for so long. I mean, we're talking really the opposing players; they still love still love playing, playing there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, it's still a mark. And I think also just knowing the history, right? Michael Jordan. It mattered to him when he dropped 50 there. Yeah. It, it said something. It said that he arrived in a certain way, right? And we've seen other players, Steph Curry, have that big game, or Kevin Durant or LeBron have that big game in the garden. That, that's just part of the rise of an NBA megastar. And it's a stamp of approval that means something. I do worry that, you know, when we talk about those guys, all those names I just said were either, you know, in a guy like Jordan's case, or, um, were either part of a time or an era where the Knicks were good, or at least grew up watching that era where the Knicks were good. We are going to get to, and maybe we'll be there with some of these young younger stars in the league. As you say, it's been 20 years, aside from that one blip, right, in 2013 right. when he made it to the second round, um, when being in the Garden meant that it was one of the toughest places to play. Uh, I don't know if for guys like Zion and Luca and Trey Young, if having that you know blockbuster game in Madison Square Garden is going to mean so much to them, yeah, or to them it's just another place to play. I don't know. Yeah. I, it may be still. To me, the Garden still has so much aura and magic. Um, yeah. But I am older than twenty. So right, right. That's know. a good point. I haven't thought of that, but that's a really good point. Um, mm-hmm. Have you tried to get Dolan on the jump? We haven't. We, um, I am aware of how he feels about the media. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, there, there's some, there's some things that, that, uh, that, that even mountains that seem too tall for us to climb, but you never yeah. know. Hey, yeah. you know, I hope the show is around for a long time. Sometimes, you know, the mountain comes to Muhammad or whatever the expression is and, and, and you never know. So who knows? If maybe you, if you had him on, what's the first question you'd ask him? I mean, why? Just with a question mark. And then so much could follow from yeah. that. Yes. That's <laughs> so, a good question. We'll see. What do you you host the jump, you host NBA countdown. You're known for doing these phenomenal interviews with all the A-list NBA people. You do the reporting. Do you consider yourself a journalist, a reporter, a host, an interviewer? What what's like the ultimate title for yourself? Well, one of the things that's so fun for me about this job that I have right now is that every single thing I have done up until this point has gotten to be like thrown into this big stew that is my current job. And that's pretty cool, right? Not every job you get can take advantage of everything you've done, but because it's sort of the job, like the show, has kind of been created as we go, um, I'm lucky enough to have producers and executives who were willing to rely on kind of my skill set to sort of frame some of the show around uh, and some of my job at ESPN. 
So, you know, I went to journalism school. So obviously I have a hard journalism background. I worked at the Washington Post for almost a decade and everything that meant from the grounding I got from the phenomenal editors there like George Solomon to working when I was, I mean, I was 21 years old and there was Michael Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser and Christine Brennan and Thomas Boswell and Andrew Beyer. And those were the people I went to work and saw every day. And they're just legends in the journalism business, sports journalism business. Um, so, so being able to learn and have that grounding and, and really doing things that were always meant to me about doing things the right way. Um, being a beat reporter, which by the way, I hated and didn't want to <laughs> do when I got out of journalism school, because I was like, I want to write features. I want to do projects. I want to, you know, whatever. And, and I had very smart people older than me who said, kid, you know, go learn what covering a beat is like. So you can know how to develop relationships over a course of a year where you have to both deliver and cover the tough stories, ask the hard questions, but also be able to come back the next day and be responsible for what you say and write so that you can feel that even if it's something someone didn't like, you were fair. And, and that way you can sort of face them the next day. And that's an important part of what I do right now. Right. Also, I learned to write on deadline. I was a hockey writer at the Washington Post when I started out. You write a deadline story where the score is 1-0 that's running that you have to file as soon as the game ends before you can get any quotes. And by the way, can you give me 20 inches on that? Um, you definitely learn to do things sort of quickly and in a different way. And that really helped me, too, with the writing I do every day on the show, right? And some of it, it is, as I said, breaking news. And I'm writing in the commercial breaks or I'm writing up until the last second because, to me, that's just – that's just daily practice because I did it for years. Um, interviewing is something and, and sort of big picture stuff is something I did in sort of later jobs. Uh, when I was working for ESPN, making that transition to television, there's a lot of how do I bring my writing skills to TV, which is something that is a big part of the jump, maybe more so than some of the other shows uh, at ESPN. Um, it was covering, league, you know, big picture league stuff like the NBA, the NFL, the weekly games that I did for the NFL where I would do stuff for SportsCenter. And I was just talking about this with some of our producers the other day. Um, you know, there were years I was based out of New York where there'd be big football games, right? And it would be a Giants-Cowboys game. Jimmy, you remember when Giants-Cowboys was a big matchup, right? It, and <laughs> I do. I do. It's like, right? uh, that and one, so, uh, comparing it to the Knicks, though, the Giants-Cowboys is still a big deal in New York. I'll say still a big deal, right? Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, so I'd be stationed out at Giants for a week, right? And Edward would be stationed at Cowboys for a week, and we'd spend a week filing daily stories to SportsCenter about like, oh, here's the Eli Manning versus the Cowboys DBs matchup or something like that. And then it would just be this, you know, sort of built to this blockbuster game on Sunday. Now, in those examples, Fox is getting the rating, right, for that game. Um, but we're talking about how we can kind of use the jump to build some of the storylines that will go into our Saturday night games, right? right, or something like that. So a little bit is like building these storylines of the NBA and my experience from that coming in. Um, when I left ESPN to go to Turner and CNN, um, you know, I have my own show on CNN, and CNN obviously is not as heavy a sports network. In fact, obviously, it's a news network, but had sport. Um, topic specific shows. So Sanjay Gupta had a health show and I debuted, you know, I had a sports show and Crossfire was sort of the more heavy politics show as opposed to just news and information and stuff like that. Um, there was an entertainment show, stuff like that. Uh, but it was still trying to deliver that to a CNN audience. So during that time, it was a lot of, Hey, can you translate this sports issue 
to give it the larger context in society. What is this really about, right? What does it mean? What, what, what's sort of the larger conversation going on here, whether it's something as straightforward as the Ray Rice situation, which is obviously about domestic violence and kind of how we treat women and children and, and laws and, and who to believe and when and all of that in our society to, um, you know, things that were simpler or sort of more fun, right? Um, sports is this big tent we all gather in. Not everybody watches the same movies anymore, or the same TV shows, but sports, we a lot of us watch the same sporting events. So it's a great place to have all these conversations. Well, we do that on the jump. Um, I was a sideline reporter at TNT and got to be part of those broadcasts and around the inside the NBA guys and sometimes, you know, jump on that show or sometimes jump in and host on NBA TV. And it gave me a very different perspective than ESPN because TNT is a much looser, right, show show uh, ethos that they subscribe to, right? Mm -hmm. they, they have less tight to the rundown, more <laughs> about discussion, um, you know, more about letting things just sort of go in crazy directions. Right. Obviously, if you have Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley, you have to subscribe to the ethos. But it was definitely an education for me, right? And then also, you know, the value of big personalities and, and you know, getting to sort of really take people inside what it was like for those players and people. And all of those different things over all of those different years. I mean, I've been covering the NBA in one way or another for two decades. I've had nearly every job there is to have covering the NBA. Um, we get to do now on the jump. And it kind of makes us nimble enough that, um, you know, when the, when the Dallas Mavericks situation went down and I had spent months sort of talking on and off to Mark Cuban about doing an interview. Um, I was ready to do that interview and I got the report, I think two hours before the um, interview. So it was really just, and it was a, I, I don't have a number in front of me, but it was dozens and dozens of pages of legal stuff to go through. Yeah. Um, and again, that kind of went back to my hard news journalism background of highlighting and circling and all of that and being able to on the fly over a course of an hour um, to me really felt like uh, parsed a lot of the stuff that was going on in that with Mark Cuban and, and made it an interview that um, felt good to me because I had some of the women in the Dallas Mavericks organization come back to me afterward. And honestly, of, of all the people, of all the reactions that was one of the most meaningful because they just said, hey, you asked the questions we've been trying to ask for years. And so being able to do that was great. Also, being able to do a show all about the most disrespectful dunks of all time is awesome <laughs> right. and feeds into my sense of humor and, and things that I want to do and stuff that I really encourage on the staff. We have goofy photoshops. We have, I mean, all of that stuff that to me is what's so much fun about sports and fun about the NBA. And you mentioned being distracted by from coronavirus and Super Tuesday. <laughs> People are looking for that. I'm looking for that. So I want that stuff in there too. So the fact that we've been able to be this like crazy stew is a very long answer to your short question. But yeah. I do consider myself a little bit of everything and the show a little bit of everything. And it's a fun way to sort of put a bow on all the stuff that I spent years doing without knowing I was prepping for this job. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. 
Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie, too, for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Obviously, the interviews have become a big part of the jump uh, recently, even with Harden, where you, you know, he uh, took some nice shots at Giannis. Um, is it easy for you to get these guys on the show? They trust you. It's ESPN, your league partner. Do you have to work hard to get the big name guys from the league? What's the process for those interviews? Yeah, no, it's it's a lot of work, yeah. um, but it's it's something that I love doing. I really it's it's one of my favorite parts of my job. It always has been um, just sitting down and, and talking to someone. I think we talk about these guys so much. It's not fair to do that if you don't talk to them. Right. Mm-hmm. And get their take on it. So sometimes I do that informally off camera. Um, as I said, we start early in the morning for the jump, but I am at games at night at the arena. We have very conveniently located across from Staples Center in our L.A. studios, so I'm able to just hop over there. Um, you know, when the Lakers and Clippers are hosting different teams coming in from other parts of the country, it's great. You can come and catch up with guys, and maybe I'm setting up an interview with the James Harden interview you mentioned. The Rockets came and played the Lakers uh, not that long before the all-star break. And I knew that I would, um, you know, we would be in the same place in Chicago for the all-star break and I might have an opportunity to sit down with him. Um, so I went to talk to James and talk to the Houston PR staff and talk to some other people, um, to try to sort of lay some of the groundwork and set that up. And then of course it's more than just that night. It's, it's weeks and years and months of, um, you know, covering James Harden and, and doing other interviews with him and having him feel like he's been treated fairly enough that he's willing to take the time to sit down and then feel like he's, again, going to get an honest um, conversation out of it. Right. Now, when, you, when, when you're interviewing him and he says, you know, I wish I was seven feet and I could just run and yeah. dunk and it takes no skill. How excited do you get when you when you get a quote like that? I mean, it's funny in the room, and this is something I've learned over the years, and you know this too, because when you're interviewing someone and then you go back and look at your notebook or listen to the tape, sometimes it plays differently, right? Right. And in the room, when he said, I'm the best player in the NBA and we're definitely going to win a title, to me, those two things clicked as like, ah, this is what people are going to be talking about out of this interview. 
And it was only later I was like, oh, yeah, I took a shot at Giannis there. <laughs> and then, um, you know, as we as we did the edit, uh, I was like, yep, this is going to be also something people say. I still think him saying he thinks he's the best player in the NBA. He doesn't believe that he's not in the top five on the NBA's MVP ladder and that they're definitely going to win a title are all statements that many other people might argue with. Yeah. But uh, the Giannis one is obviously the one that got um, got a ton of play. I think, and uh, yeah. the night before the interview went on TV. I actually reached out to the Rockets and to James and said, hey, just so you know, here's here's what is coming tomorrow. Because, again, I just I don't think there's any value in the gotcha. And I, I think that, you know, it, just giving the people a heads up um, again with something even as controversial, quote unquote, or, or hard hitting as, say, the Mark Cuban interview. Everyone knew ahead of time, including Mark. Hey, I'm going to be asking you tough questions about X, Y and Z. Right. Because I, I just think. I think it's a better way to do business, well, that, I mean, and I honestly think you get better answers from people right. if if they feel prepared. Well, the Harden thing definitely wasn't a gotcha. I mean, Giannis no, no. made the comments, and you just he could have James Harden could have easily said to you, "Listen, you know, he, that's his opinion. He's entitled to it. I'm not worried yeah. about you know he he went out of his way to you know yeah. take the shot. And look, you know, Giannis Giannis not only made the joke on the broadcast that we refer to, but after the All Star game. Giannis said, you know, they asked him about about their strategy down the stretch, and he said, you know, we gave the ball to whoever James Harden was girding. So, yeah. you know, that that goes that goes both ways. And Giannis is a, is a, certainly knows what he's doing too, and is an adult and knows how to <laughs> to make little jabs when he wants to too. I think it's fun. I think it's all good for the NBA. Neither guy said anything that was so out of bounds that was like, oh, I right, can't right, believe right. he said that. Right. It's just good natured trash talk. I think and both both sides were were sort of the fun stuff that we love about again ninety exactly. basketball, right yep. in New York and. Chicago and and all those guys. Player on player crime is always going to do better than a guy predicting a title. That's well, a I don't know. Did you see, by the way, um, after all the Spike Lee drama yeah. that Reggie Miller posted? I did. Spike, it's finally time to come over. I did. Twitter. I thought that was a phenomenal so again, use of the, tr- the trash talk. Never ends. Right. That was that was Reggie. Uh, Reggie had to do that. That was that was Reggie a great at his best. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> do you? For anyone listening to that, even myself, I'm always asking people tips for doing interviews any any wisdom for anyone who does interviews any advice because it's a tricky thing when you you know you're sitting you could be doing this for as many years as you have been you could have all the training you could be doing you know all that know the people but when you're sitting a foot away from lebron james you know it's still you have a job to do there um any sort of advice or tips on interviews I think the most interesting people to interview are people who are going through some sort of change, right? So um, if someone is doing the same thing they've been doing for so long, uh, there's there's not as many good questions to ask them, right? I mean, you could kind of go back through their catalog. But, um, you know, I think, I think finding people to interview where something is going on with them is, is kind of a good start, right? You're going to have a good interview if you find someone where the subject matter is good. And then also it's just about being legitimately curious. Uh, there's so many times where I will sort of have a base group of questions that I'm looking at and trying to figure out what I should actually ask when it, once it gets to the day and stuff where I can look at the question and pretty much already know the answer of what the guy's going to say. Eh, he's just going to say X or he's right, going to say right. Y. I don't ask that question. And I know some people feel like, oh, well, you got to get this subject in. The interview's not complete without this subject being covered. For me, and it's just my opinion, I, I'm not interested. I'm interested in the stuff I'm legitimately curious about, the stuff I don't know. Right. And I think if you're asking those questions 
um, it's going to be a good interview. Um, it's going to be a good interview for you, certainly, right? Because <laughs> you get to find out cool stuff. And then you just have to hope other people are interested in some of the same things you are. It's funny. It's really funny that that was your answer because I, I just had this conversation maybe 20 minutes before we jumped on this podcast with some coworkers because I'm going to be speaking to, not for this podcast, but for my column. I'm going to be speaking to Joe Burrow later this week. And I was trying to figure out what to ask him. And mm-hmm. I'm going into it like, to ask him, like, you know, do you want to play for the Bengals? I, I, is like, what's the point of that question at this point? Yeah, like, you know the answer you're going to get. Right. Yet. I'd like to play for anyone who drafts me. I'm right. excited to play in the NFL. Right. So, yes, there's certainly people who ask that question. I don't begrudge them that. But for me, I'd be more interested if you yeah. asked other stuff. And, yeah. you know, it's funny. You talked at the beginning of this pod about, hey, we've been, you know, kind of talking for months about when we were going to actually do it. And I said to you the very first time you reached out to me, hey, let's wait until I'm starting to do the ABC games, right. because again, that's a change for me, right? I was doing the daily show and then starting this year, um, you know, I'm doing these ABC Saturday night primetime day- games. I'm going to have this big role during the NBA finals. And, um, you know, it's fun to be able to talk about that stuff. Right. It's different. Uh, and that's cool. Well, since you brought up the Saturday NBA countdown and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question where I know what your answer is going to be, but I'll throw it out there anyway. <laughs> well, here, I'm going to start with you. It's okay. not NBA countdown on Saturday nights. It's the jump. It's the jump right. on ABC. Right. But it, it, it acts as the pregame show for the Saturday night game. Yeah, it is the pregame show. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so inevitably, whenever this comes up, it's always, you know, the ESPN TNT comparisons because they have inside the NBA. Everyone mm-hmm. says, you know, legendary show, iconic show. If people go through the history of studio shows, they say that's the best one or college game day usually um, are the first two mentioned. When you, even though it's the jump, but when you were offered the gig as the as the, to do the pregame for the Saturday night. Did you have any trepidation in terms of being compared to that show? Is that, can you even not, can you even bother worrying about that? You just got to do what you do. Is there any um, envy of that show? What's there's always going to be comparison. So now you're in that slot. So what's your take on that? I don't think there are direct comparisons only because, you know, most of the inside the NBA is a post game show. Uh, they sometimes have 10 or 15 minutes pregame, uh, sometimes during some playoff weeks that expands longer or if they, you know, there's a quirk in the TNT schedule and I'm apologizing right up front because I don't know how many times a year they get the hour or the half hour. But I do know from working at TNT for three years uh, when we were, you know, I would get interviews and say, when can they air? Could they air pregame? And they'd be like, well, we only got eight minutes pregame. It's really we're a postgame show. Right. And that's the lion's share. Again, I don't have the proportions, but it's the lion's share of what Inside the NBA is, is a postgame show. And it's just a totally different show. Right. Right. It's a loose 1 a.m. environment. <laughs> You're reacting off what happened in the games. Uh, it, it's just a different thing. Um, it's also mostly in the studio inside the NBA TNT. They obviously go on the road during the playoffs or on the road, I think, during um, All Star. But it's largely in the studio. And for ABC Saturday Nights, one of the great concepts that I was so excited about taking this on was it was not only going to get to be the jump. So it was going to have our flavor um, and, and our tone and sort of what we, I, I think sort of the jump brings to the NBA conversation, which is something I really like in addition to what NBA countdown or inside the NBA brings to the conversation, which are all cool things. Um, but also it was going to get to be on site and Connor shell and Jimmy Pitaro, when they talked to me about this, they really wanted to have that feel that I, I kind of call it, um, a mix between the old Monday night football feel of, you never knew who was going to drop by the booth mm-hmm. and TRL 
No, is that good. like enough of a mix of references? I, I love that reference. Big Carson <laughs> right? Daly fan, yeah. Because because that's kind of what we want. And some weeks, you know, it's it's kind of who you'd expect to come on. But some weeks it's really random. And, um, you know, we had Travis Scott pop on in, in Houston, which makes sense for that game and that market. Um, when we were in Philadelphia, Joel Embiid wasn't playing, so he was injured. So he came on the show, and Allen Iverson came on the show because I think Allen Iverson is our greatest living American and the <laughs> patron saint of all NBA players. Um, you know, it's just sort of a mix of, of all of that stuff. And even you know, we had Oscar Robertson come on the show when we were in Milwaukee. And, um, you know, sometimes it's not a live guest. Sometimes it's an interview or a piece we've done. But it, it kind of brings this, like, fun on-site stew. And we're, in the, we're on the court, and we're in the moment, and players come by and, you know, rub our player analysts on the shoulder or say right. hi to them during while we're on TV. And it's just, it, it, I don't think it's, you know, I'm not trying to evade the question. I just don't think it's the same show That's or the fair. same kind of thing That's or fair. trying to do the same kind of yeah. thing. So having worked at TNT, I am in awe of what they do at TNT. I love every guy who and, and woman who works on that show. I am, the, the producers in the booth are incredible right. um, in the control room. The guys on set are amazing. I learned a lot from being there. I still learn from watching them on TV from my side of the screen. It, it's just what I am doing is different because it's such a different kind of show and different right. kind of animal. And I just want to try to do, you know, the so, best version. And we're going to be good some weeks and we're going to be a disaster some weeks. Right. So just bear with us. Do you, you mentioned a few times about, um, you know, you had a little stint there at, at Turner CNN mm -hmm. from 2013 to 2016. Obviously, the jump is, you know, you're doing what you love there. Do mm -hmm. you, though, miss at all doing other sports? Because you did, like you mentioned the sure. NHL when you first started. Obviously, you, you covered the NFL. Uh, do you ever miss doing the other sports? Uh, you know, I like I like both versions. I like that I have gotten to spend long periods of time, you know, overlapping and doing sports. When I was at uh, Turner, they let me do playoff baseball. I was like the dugout reporter, yes, right? which is yeah, really fun because yeah. when I was at the Washington Post, I used to regularly cover uh, playoff baseball. I was sort of a general sports assignment kind of person. Uh, and I was actually stationed in New York for a while during my Washington Post stint. So I covered all those Yankees World Series and Red Sox and all of this other stuff. So um, I like having that background. I've been to a bunch of Olympic Games. I covered Grand Slam tennis for a while. So I've been to all four majors and covered them, covered golf tournaments and covered Tiger and all that stuff. So I do like that I've gotten to do all of those things. But one of the through lines through every single other job I've had is that I also always covered basketball in some way. Right. I love basketball. I love the sport. I love that the guys don't play in pads and helmets. I love that you can be, you know, fans can be a foot from the court where things are happening. We can all sort of see on TV, the storylines, the drama, the heroes, the villains, the beginning, middle and end where you don't know what's going to happen every night. Um, I'm into it, man. And I've liked it for so long. And so it's fun to be able to do. And then, you know, with ESPN, we cover a lot of stuff. So if there is something going on um, this summer, uh, I want to go to the Olympics we're gonna the jump is gonna be partly at the olympics you know i've already talked to the producer i say hey you want to stick me on the heptathlon for a day feel free whatever you need better hope the olympics is still going on at this rate who knows what's gonna happen with that i know we will find out i know we've had talks about that here at si um who do you have a favorite player to interview i don't know if you want to name one but i think we i think everyone who does what we do mm -hmm. it, it's not, like listen you've interviewed lebron and obviously it's not going to get bigger than that, but there's always an athlete who maybe people don't think of who can crack, you know, be, I remember, you know, obviously like, you know, 
Biz Nasty, for instance, is now this huge podcast mogul. But like 10 years ago, he was a great interview for anybody. Is there a guy like in the NBA, like who do you, if you could just like sit down, have a conversation where it's not a news breaking type thing and interview them, who's who are those people that you enjoy speaking to? You know, it's it's funny. Some of it is sort of people catching them in a moment in time, right? So I mentioned right. I covered tennis. Uh, you know, when Serena and Venus Williams first played on tour, um, I was there when they won their first Grand Slams, each of them. And going, th- you know, covering them and watching them and just sort of the, I can't even speak to how much they changed and sort of how behind um, the tennis world was behind other sports. Mm-hmm in terms of being in the correct century and, and the change that they forced on it, um, inequality and men versus women and, and race and so many other things, um, you know, getting to have inter- sat down and interviewed them both in the moment when they were doing that. And then, you know, Serena and I sat down and did an interview 10 years later or 50, you know what I mean? To be able to sort of mark that, right. um, experiences like that, that feel like, wow, this was really important. Right. Um, you know, getting to sit down and interview Michael Jordan is going to be something that will always mean to, mean something to me. I had right. multiple one-on-one interviews with Michael Jordan because he's Michael Jordan, and I'm going to always get to say that. Uh, you mentioned LeBron. One of the things that's cool about that is just, you know, sort of how our careers have overlapped. Um, I've met him and did the first interview I did with him when he was a senior in high school. Wow. And... So, and we've done sort of one kind, at least one sort of major sit down every year since for one reason or another. So, you know, I've, I've said this before, having a front row seat to anyone's life as they go from being a 17 year old to now a 35 year old father of three, who's, you know, sort of developed into this whole different kind of person would be cool. Right. right. Um, so whoever to- that person was, whatever their job was. And talk- then the fact that it's LeBron James is, is pretty cool too. I, was, I wanted to ask you just, since you mentioned that if one more question just you mentioned lebron um is it when you're interviewing him knowing who he is biggest superstar on the planet basically uh do you go into a different do you do you go into the interview differently than if you're interviewing someone else because it's lebron or you everything's the same for you no matter who you're interviewing i go into it a little differently with him just because we do have this track record so i'm not going to ask him something about what happened four years ago because I already did that interview, right? right? So with someone like that who I interview somewhat regularly, and it's not just him, by the way, there's plenty of other NBA players or players, you know, who who that's the case of. Um, What's cool to me is, again, what's the change? What's new? And um, that might be different than if I sit down with someone for the first time, I might reach back and ask them, oh, what about this six years ago? Because I'm curious about this and we've never talked about it. That's, I think, the biggest difference there. Interesting. I, I've, I could imagine even knowing him, it's, it's got to be like a little intimidating. I don't even know if that's the right word, but just knowing who he is, it's, you know, there's got to be a vibe there that's a little different. And he's always great in interviews, so it, it's not intimidation is probably the wrong word, but he is LeBron. <laughs> I, I appreciate you uh, coming on. I'm glad we finally got to do this. And uh, absolutely, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I really good, appreciate it. Good luck with the jump and and uh, the jump before. Uh, the Saturday night game on ABC as well, and uh, six weeks till the regular season ends. Six weeks till the end of the regular season, yep. and then things get really interesting. Then it really becomes, yep. It's going to be fun this year, I think, with the Lakers there now and LeBron. and. Uh, well, we don't know who's going to win, and, and there right. were some years in the NBA you couldn't say that. So right, that's, that's true. Fun. That's true. All right, thanks, Rachel. Thank you so much. All Have right. a great day. You too, take care. 
right, that wraps up this edition of the SI Media Podcast. My thanks to Rachel Nichols for coming on. Uh, in case you missed it, like I said at the top, there is a second SI Media Podcast this week. Uh, came out earlier with Andrew Martian in the New York Post to talk about the Tony Romo contract with uh, Tony staying with CBS. Tom Reducci was on the podcast last week. If you missed any of those, you can check them out in the archives. And uh, as always, please, if you can hit the subscribe button, that helps tremendously. All right, that wraps up this edition of the SI Media Podcast. Take care. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.